This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic-Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to episode 56 of THN, The Metal Show, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, February 29th, and as always, we'll be reading your tweets while we do it. So don't forget to tweet us, the two-headed nerd, on the Twitter. My name's Matt Bomb, and when I'm not swigging goat's blood from the THN ceremonial three-eyed jackal skull, I'm writing about and praising <laughs> comics for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not honing my two-handed claymore so that it may drink deep the blood of my enemies and cut a swath through the battlefield. Swath. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear reviews of Justice League number 6 and Darkness 100. 100. The, the Darkness 100. After that, we'll review 10 comics so fast the shrieking hordes of hell will eat our righteous dust during the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Eldritch blood magics and shredding guitar licks will allow us to discuss two of next Wednesday's comics. And finally, we'll step up to the podium in the THN Rose Garden to discuss the state of the DC Comics universe six months into the relaunch. But... Before we get to all that thrashing and head gyration, let's check the batteries in our fuzz box and big muff pedals, drop tune to D, and tighten up our hydraulic heads. Then we'll talk about this week's big news. Those are distortion pedals. <laughs> I got, I got, type of drum head. I got it. I was trying to make a joke about muff boxes, <laughs> but I couldn't think of one. <laughs> one that we could do on a clean podcast, anyway. Our first story deals with a subculture of heavy metal music that some feel is sending a dangerous message to your kids. Billed as a three-day celebration of creator-owned comics, the first ever Image Ec- Comics Expo was held last weekend in Oakland, California. One of the most interesting bits of news to come from the con was the announcement of Bedlam, a new ongoing series from Nick Spencer and Riley Rosmo, launching on Halloween. According to a report from comicbookresources.com, the hook of the series is simple. Quote, Philip Press is the worst mass murderer in the history of America's hardest city. He's the worst. But no one he works with at the police department knows it. That guy's the worst. Philip Press, the lead character of Bedlam, is a man that was once known as Matter Red, a completely unrepentant homicidal maniac and criminal overlord who was brought to justice, found insane, and cured through a series of experimental treatments. Now, after undergoing radical plastic surgery and adopting a new identity, Press finds himself drawn back into the world he was once a part of, this time as a consultant for the Bedlam Police Department. Spencer stated that Philip Press is, quote, undeniably cured, but is compulsively drawn to the study of serial killing and crime in Bedlam, which leads the police department to seek his services. Speaking in depth about the character, Spencer said, quote, You're never going to be sure where he's coming from, what's in his head. Imagine suddenly waking up from a dream in which you killed hundreds of people and did all these horrible, brutal things, and then you find out it wasn't a dream. Oh, man. Spencer compared the project's tone to something like the Christopher Nolan Batman films, in which there are no superpowers and nothing supernatural, but feature characters that employ masked identities to have an impact on society in some way. 
I think this sounds really good. I think it sounds awesome. I was just talking with another listener of ours, Jeff Hitt, the other day at the coffee shop about the Image Expo and all the stuff that they announced. We announced a, a lot of the other stuff we've talked about, like Saga, we're very excited for. It, there was a lot Brian of talk of, of of projects that have already been announced. Right. And I got to say, this is just another one in a line of projects coming from Image that has me really excited for yeah. everything they're doing this year. I'm way more excited about this stuff than anything I see coming down the pipe from Marvel or DC right now. This is the kind of promise that people saw in Nick Spencer when he first got started. And I am really eager to uh, read this story. Uh, There was also an announcement of uh, Grant Morrison doing an image book with Derek Robertson called Happy, but there was no, literally no news about it. All we know is it's coming. And it's called Happy. Guess what? I'm in. It doesn't matter. Image is like set up to take over the world. They're doing such a fantastic job, like maintaining their old talent that's made them famous, bringing in new talent that we'd like to see writing stuff there, pairing them up with badass artists. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for all of it. I think they did a fantastic job at their expo. I wish I could have gone. Yeah, sounded like a great time. According to Mysterious Inside Sources, which is Marvel totally dropping this news to (laughs) him, BleedingCool.com has reported that the initial order numbers for the upcoming Avengers vs. X-Men number one have surpassed those received for Civil War number one in 2006. Depending on who you ask, orders for Civil War number one came in north of 260,000 copies. The popularity of Civil War saw Marvel receive enormous sales spike across a line that continued for months, leading even low-selling books like Dan Slott's She-Hulk to sell out and skyrocket in value because they tied into the event. And man, this, that story was so good. Yeah, The series also set the tone for the Marvel Universe for years to come. Marvel is throwing promotional might behind Avengers vs. X-Men in a big way with a huge ad campaign and big ordering incentives for retailers. Of course, these numbers only reflect the numbers of copies ordered by the stores, not actual sales to the customers. That said, if fans latch onto the event and follow the story into the greater Marvel Universe, Marvel could have a hit on their hands that rivals DC's relaunch. What do you think, Joey? Is Marvel just puffing out their chest with these figures, or is this a challenge to the new 52? I think it's probably both. I think it's both as well. I think Marvel is so inside sources are, are leaking yeah. the fact that this book is being ordered in such huge numbers and it is a big deal it is a big deal but we do just like you said in the story we have to keep in mind that doesn't show actual sales and but what it shows is have, retailer confidence it shows retailer confidence and that's good and, and I'm glad that retailers are as excited about this I'm excited about it. I want to read it. I am too. I love all these like super team battles, and they've been building to it for a while now. And I think it'll probably be fun. And we are kind of in a rut with the Shattered Heroes thing and everything. Marvel's gotten a little rudderless. So if this steers us into a new direction for him, yeah, I could see it being very effective. The thing to consider is that when this is over... Bendis will also be done with the Avengers. Yes. And it was also just announced today, late breaking, that Jonathan Hickman is wrapping up his run on the FF titles at the exact same time. Hmm. I wonder what he'll be doing after that. Well, the- he's already writing the Ultimate Avengers. I mean, it's why not? There's a rumor that Bendis is taking over the X-Men franchise next. They're going to swap? And what if what if Hickman takes over the Avengers? Uh, what if Hickman's just gonna do create her own? I don't even know, but something's coming from Marvel, huh. and it's not just the tagline; it's right. coming. But I'm kind of curious. They're shaking up a bunch of stuff, and I think it's it it's gonna be a fun shakeup. And they've got nothing but talent behind this. They got Fraction, Bendis, Hickman, all these guys. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot more than just a, a twelve issue slugfest. Yeah, but uh, I'm. 
kind of eager to see not just story-wise, but where all these creators end up when it's all said and yeah. done. And finally, because somebody must have demanded it, Matt Bomb. I totally love Dark Horse <laughs> has announced that Ghost will be making her return in the pages of Dark Horse Presents I loved Ghost. number 13 this June. The character sprang from the loins of comics' greatest world. You just had to throw the loins in there. Dark Horse's attempt to create a unified superhero universe back in 1993. The upcoming story will be a reboot of the character from the promising creative team of Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Noto, both of whom we really enjoy. Yeah. Ghost centers around the avenging spirit of a murdered journalist, and in this new take, Ghost enters the picture as a nameless entity gifted with the ability to piece together the story of her identity, where she came from, and what happened to her. Now, I will be the first to admit that I know next to nothing about the character and her past incarnations, but one can only hope that a barbed wire revival isn't far behind. Oh, come on. That was a completely different book. Ghost was actually... It spun out of the same event. Oh, please. Ghost was actually very intelligently written, beautifully drawn. I loved this book back in the day. Uh, Young Adam Hughes. Yes. Young Adam Hughes. Eric Luke. I just looked it up. I couldn't remember the writer's name. But he was... It was a great story, and it wasn't just like a powder puff book. There was actually really good story No, I kid. I know. And I actually think this sounds really good. Um, Dark Horse Presents has really been bringing it with some good short stories. This their the second half of this first year. I wasn't that down with the Chaykin and Neil Adams. It started stuff. off a little rough, but they now it's been required reading. Yeah, for now the past we've got a lot of Mignolaverse stuff, and yeah, we've man. got Brian Wood stuff, and now Francesco Francavilla is doing a, a yep. new thing. I I am looking Paul forward Hope to this. Paul Hope was in this last one. It was great. Man. I love it. Good job, Dark is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where, after recently acquiring the rights, we're taking submissions for the relaunch of Stripperella, the other comic book character <laughs> inspired by America's sweetheart, Pamela Anderson. That was Stan Lee who brought you Stripperella. Stan Lee's Stripperella. <laughs> Stan Lee and Pam Anderson. I don't believe that she had reversible liver damage like Pamela Anderson. No hep C there. Wow. R.I.P. Pam. She's not dead. <laughs> Just a slut. <laughs> Joe Patrick, you're the worst. Read us a Twitter tweet from a from a tweeting listener. Our Twitter tweet. A our tweeter. first Twitter tweet comes from Kush Three, who wants to know since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles micro series number three, featuring Donatello, came out this week. Who is our favorite turtle? Leonardo. He says it's obviously not. Leonardo's cool but rude. No, that's Michelangelo. Michelangelo's a party dude. Raphael is cool but rude. Raphael is cool but rude. Leonardo leads, Donatello does machines. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I like Leonardo. He had the stick, though. He was always my favorite. Donatello has the stick. You are so bad at this. Donatello's my favorite, I guess. (laughs) So there you go. Yes, it is Donatello, we guess. It's review time here at THN, and as always, Matt and I had a corpse grinder windmill headbanging contest, and Matt's oddly shaped and superhumanly strong neck prevailed. That's right. Matt, tell him what you read. This week, do you know who corpse grinder is? No. Of course you don't. I don't. You're you're too sweet of a boy. (laughs) This week, I read The Darkness, number 100, written by Phil Hester, with art by Romano Molinar. 
There's like 18 names involved in the creation of this book. Yeah, but I mean, we're just going with the two guys that did the main story. There was, <laughs> okay, there was the back enough. of their story. Now, well, I'll say, to be fair, there's a long preview by David Hine and Jeremy Hahn as well. No, I think there's a lot of people involved in just producing the first 20 pages. That's, yeah, that's every Top Cow book. <laughs> long list of strange Italian names. <laughs> this is the final issue of Phil Hester's long run on The Darkness, which has spanned 35 issues. Keep in mind, they changed the numbering after issue 10. It went from 10 to 75, so that's how we're at Darkness 1. They pulled a Marvel, yeah, in other words. Big time. In that time, Hester has effectively fleshed out main character Jackie Estacado into a believable character. For those of you who don't know, this is the story of a mobster, Jackie Estacado, who finds out that he was destined to inherit the power of the darkness, which is really just sort of like a Ripclaw Wolverine-looking suit <laughs> that, like, blackness and demons and dark Could power you? comes out <clears throat> of it. This issue sees Jackie fighting the very creature that empowers him, the Darkness. <laughs> the, the fat baby darkness. <laughs> now, I have not been reading The Darkness for quite some time, but it wasn't because it was a bad title. Hester, I really like the way Hester writes, and he's written a lot of stuff that I've really enjoyed. Uh, Deep Sleeper comes to mind. I loved that book. Uh, the Atheist, which he wrote a while ago. Loved that as well. The Coffin. But I, The Coffin is another great one. I will say... He writes the hell out of a comic book, and this is no exception. But if anything, this is definitely a bit over. One might say he overdid it a <laughs> yeah, little on this, this one. This is, I mean, I get what he's trying to do. Hester's trying to go out with the bang, and we see this big story that he's been leading to for a very long time, where Jackie confronts the very power that empowers his suit. It just didn't work. It didn't work at all for me. I mean, like, first of all, when we see the actual suit, there is a very cool thing where there's a panel where the artist Molinar has uh, the darkness, Jackie Estacado, the darkness, tearing through reality with one of his claws and stepping through the hole. No, and then, it's a dagger made from the Angelus. Oh, that's right. Pardon me, a dagger. And then the next page is the reverse of what we saw. So he's actually stepping past, like, backwards word balloons and, like... And negative of the color. So it looks like he's stepping through the comic book. I thought that was really neat. A yeah, great I agree. But then when we finally meet the entity that is the darkness, it's this giant rotting baby thing. It looks like a fat cancer baby. Yeah, it looks like a big fat cancer baby. And it really just didn't work for me. And they spend a whole chunk of the book in this dark dimension, which, by the way, is just black in the background. So all you really have uh, it's the darkness. is Jackie Estacado battling this baby thing for several pages while Hester narrates the hell out of it with some really wordy narration. And it just, it, it lost its speed. It didn't have the intended effect, I don't think. this. It just kind of fell down, and I felt really bad. I almost feel like Hester was trying to do too much, and maybe art, the artist Molinar could not keep up. This is not bad art, but it is definitely mediocre. Molinar is capable but at best, he's a Brandon Peterson clone. Not, like I said, not much going on in the backgrounds. I I don't care for the design of the actual darkness costume, but that's not his fault. He's just recreating it. And, like, the big darkness baby is pretty gross, but again, didn't work for me. He does a fine job giving this title that top cow look that we've come to expect 
it's just a look that doesn't do much for me. And like I said, I've read other books by Hester that I loved. This just is not one of them. I will say there is real value here. If you're a Darkness fan, if you've been sticking with it, there's a very long preview of the next issue, which is which is where David Hine and Jeremy Hahn take over. There's a huge timeline that stretches like the entirety of the Darkness from his birth to now and there's a great cover gallery i mean it's a big thick book they print it on nice paper there's no ads in it i'll give them a plus for that but the best i can give this is a skim it and i read it completely disconnected from the darkness i i tried to read the book when phil hester took over and i was liking what i was reading at the time but ultimately my lack of interest in the character yeah, just, just had me fall off. I don't care about the character either. Coming back to this now, I'll grant you it, it's not fair for me to judge it coming in completely cold, but it was really overdone. The The dialogue was really overwrought. and Yeah, um, this made Chris Claremont look quiet. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel bad because I do love Phil Hester. I have to give it a leave it just because, I mean, it's the last issue of the storyline and I, it's be really hard for me to recommend. That said, the preview looked interesting. Yeah. Jeremy Hahn's a very good artist, and they've set up some like interesting storylines. The main character is not a good guy; he is a criminal. Yeah, it, if you're into the hook, I guess give it a try. But for me, it's a it's a leave it. I'm sorry, Joe. Why don't you tell us what you read this week? I read Justice League number six, written by Jeff Johns, with pencils by Jim Lee, inks by. And prepare yourself. Scott Williams, Sandra Hope, Bat, and Mark Irwin. (laughs) Remember Bat? I remember Bat. He was another Top Cow guy. Colors for this issue were also by an army of people. Alex Sinclair, who is a boy, we established long ago. Alex Sinclair's a man. Tony, thank you. Tony Avina and Hi-Fi. Who it could be a boy or a girl. (laughs) Hi-Fi is a boy and a girl. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh... There was a backup story featuring the character of Pandora, also written by Johns, with art by Carlos Danda. I'm just going to call him Danda. Let's call him Danda. Yeah, because it's fun. What up, Danda? So here's your solicitation. The Justice League is united at last against Darkseid. The awesome consequences of this high-stakes battle will resonate within the series for years to come. Jeff Johns and Jim Lee end their historic first arc. What a bang! So it's listed like that. I mean, it can't be bad, right? Oh. Oh, but it can. <laughs> this issue tries to inject some pathos into the story that was absolutely not present in the first five issues. Totally agree. And at first, I thought it worked. I and But then the more I thought about it, the more it felt forced. Yeah. And I'll be the first to admit, the first time I flipped through it, I was like, oh, man, that's a really moving scene. But then I thought back to the earlier issues, it completely fell out of place. Well, and the first word we hear a character say is, Major Luck! When Green Lantern shows <laughs> yeah, up. Like, uh, and it's a scene that I should have had goosebumps. That was a scene where I should have turned the page and the hair on my arms stood up. Well, but that's but a, I got, Major Luck! That's a little bit more of that whole issue from last time where it was, Is that all you got? Yeah. That's not all I got. <laughs> This issue issue is a huge fight scene, and it's just complete fluff, which is fine, because it's an action book. But, and I know that these guys are the Justice League, but I really feel like Darkseid went down a little too easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy is a god, and this team just met. It, It just, they punched him a lot, they stuck some stuff in his eyes... 
Uh, they cyborg, literally stuck some stuff in his head. Cyborg grimaced real hard, and then Darkseid was gone. Cyborg hunkered down, grunted, <laughs> and made the boom tubes go away. Don't, <laughs> don't steal my joke. I got a good cyborg oh, joke coming up later. There are a couple of mentions of a larger subplot involving something or someone Darkseid is searching for. And if you blink, you will miss them. I have a theory on that. Well, they say the daughter of Darkseid. And I have a theory who it is. Who? Pandora. Ooh. Pandora. She's totally the daughter of Darkseid. Well, maybe. Guarantee Um, it. But they go by so fast, and they're never mentioned again. And then next issue, it's five years later. So uh, apparently it's a really slow-burning subplot. (laughs) I could definitely tell that there was a shift in the inkers, but... Unlike last issue, I didn't find it too jarring. No, it wasn't bad at all. Uh, The art in this issue seemed less rushed. And aside from one splash page where it looked like Cyborg was pooping into a boom tube. (laughs) uh, I just thought he was pooping into it. (laughs) I thought that the art was fine. Now, that is quite a feat considering that there are more than half a dozen people contributing to the visual look of this book. Helping Jim Lee get it done. Yeah. Some positives. I really enjoyed everything after the big fight. I thought that the uh, team being recognized as heroes instead of a threat and deciding to stick together, that's the kind of stuff I liked. I like it, too. I hated Batman being up there on the National Monument steps. I hate that. Whenever Batman is trotted out like that, it doesn't make any sense. It goes against (laughs) who he is. They can show up without Batman. Well, the thing is is that DC can't decide whether or not they're sticking with the whole idea of Batman. Yeah, man or myth or whatever. Yeah, I hate it, though. He wouldn't be up there smiling and posing for pictures. He would not show up, and they would be like, well, where's Batman? I don't know. That guy's a weirdo. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But, I mean, that kind of character stuff, I do think Johns excels at that, and so I liked I liked that part of it. I also really liked the buildup of Cyborg as somebody worthy of being in the Justice League, uh, even though this is essentially a brand new character and a brand new take. I think it is past time for this guy to graduate to the big leagues, and you can tell that Johns really loves Cyborg. And so I am excited to see him kind of raised to prominence after being kind of stuck with the Teen Titans for so long. The backup story to me is more compelling. Uh, You get your first real good look at Pandora and some hints about her background. Uh, She looks like a cross between the Crimson Avenger and Zealot from the Wildcats. Totally. Which I know thrilled the hell out of my mom. I I, I pointed it out too. I was like, first I said, is she the new Crimson Avenger? And you were like, what are you talking about? She's got two magic guns and she has tattoos on her face like Zealot. (laughs) He made a squeal sound. Uh, I really liked the art by Carlos Danda. I'm a big fan. Let's just go with Danda. Let's drop the Carlos. It's just Danda. I really liked that art by that Danda. Danda. Uh, I'd like to see more from him. Nice job, Danda. Good job, Danda. <laughs> so, the thing, though, is that after spending so much time denying that they've created a backdoor out of the relaunch... They totally created a backdoor. The backup and the story that it's teasing are firmly tied to the fact that things are different than they were before. Yep. And just acknowledging that fact in story leaves DC with the opportunity to back out anytime they want. Absolutely. The bottom line for this particular issue, though... We'll get to more about that later on. The bottom line for this issue is that this book highlights a lot of the problems that I've been struggling with about the relaunch. The unnecessary redesigns of characters that were already great. Yeah. The new Desaad is terrible. Yeah, it looks like a Muppet. Yeah. He seriously looks like an evil Muppet. But I'm sorry to say that this particular issue was just okay. It, it, this should be the blockbuster flagship, and it's just not. It didn't have the punch it needed to get me real excited about the future of the book. So, at best, I gotta give it a skim it. You know what? I think the main problem was, I mean, and if you look past, like, 
zero emotional heft, not much characterization whatsoever. All DC did was blow this up like, it is the most important, biggest, baddest comic you've ever read! And then like, actually, it's just okay. At best. Yeah. <laughs> like, and this is... I mean, really. This is, you're talking to two guys that started off really liking this book. Yeah. And I, I want to love it. I want to love this. We've done nothing but defend the relaunch. We're going to yeah. talk about it more in a little bit here. I can only give it a skimming as well. So that is a skim it from me for The Darkness 100 and a leave it from Joe Patrick and a double skim it. For Justice League number six, it should have been the best comic book ever written. What happened? What happened? And it got off with a skimmit? <laughs> if you guys agree or disagree with these reviews, we could barely care, but we would love to hear about it on our Facebook page. Joe Patrick, before we move on, read us another tweet. Our next tweeter comes from Keith Binder, who asks, If you could have a con sketch from any artist in the history of comics... Who would the artist be, and what would the sketch be of? I have two knee-jerk reactions. Barry Windsor Smith doing a Conan, because I love Barry Windsor Smith's Conan. Other knee-jerk reaction, Jack Kirby doing the thing, because he probably draws my favorite thing of all time. I don't really know how you could answer this question without saying Jack Kirby, even if Jack Kirby's not your favorite guy. Right, I think you have to. Just the idea of being able to get a Kirby sketch is just too irresistible to pass up. And and definitely a Kirby FF sketch at Ethan that. Ethan Van Skyver, Cyber Frog. I would kill. <laughs> murder for one. In my in my deepest, darkest uh, moments, I would probably say a Mark Bagley speedball. <laughs> really? Any creator? I love those new ones. Wow. <laughs> Now, join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where smoke from a burning lock of Satanist and rockstar Sammy Kerr's hair will transport our psyches to the future so that we may discuss two of next week's comics, Matt. What is the acrid scent of burning Satanist hair revealed to you? We're gonna work on your S filter. That's gonna... And if anyone is still listening after that, I am excited for the Manhattan Projects, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Nick Patara. This is the team that brought us the book. Red Wing. Red Wing. The team who brought us Red Wing. What if the research and development department created to produce the first atomic bomb was a front for a series of other more unusual programs? What if the union of generations' brightest minds was not a signal for optimism, but foreboding? What if everything went wrong? Oh, man, this sounds great. (laughs) This sounds like creepy sci-fi, and there's not much I love more than that. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for? I eagerly await the release of Avengers The Children's Crusade number 9 by Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. Finally, the wait is over. And I get to find out what happens to the Scarlet Witch and her little babies. Yeah, are the imaginary babies going to disappear? They're real babies. They're real grown-up babies now. They're real to her. (laughs) Everyone's real to somebody. (laughs) That's true. That's sweet. It is the time. Now is the time. Now. The first ever THN. (laughs) is now the time. Fastest foot competition where Matt and I will sit behind our 75-piece drum sets 
to find out whose double bass witchcraft reigns supreme while we review 10 comics in the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! FF 15. I read this back to back with last week's Fantastic Four 603, and the two weave together seamlessly. I think you have to. <laughs> Nick Dragota is on the art now, and he's a much better fit than Wombo Bio. Although I did like Wombo I still love you, Juan. The big throwdown with the Celestials is happening right now, and it's coming to a head, and I am really excited to see what happens by it. Ralph Wiggum Comics, number one. <laughs> that was tough. I haven't read a Simpsons comic for a while, and this one suffers from the same problem from the last one I read. The- Bongo keeps trying to make Simpsons comics into kiddie books. If Simpsons is not a kid's show, why do we keep getting unfunny kids' books? This was not good. The art was not good. There was only one artist that even looked like the art was the same. Although I did like the Sergio Aragonese things and very much too came back to Mad Magazine. But regardless, it sucked. Did you say Sergio Aragonese? Aragonese? What? Good God. Whatever. I love Ralph, but he cannot sustain a whole comic. Leave it. The Shade, number five. This is your monthly alert from the Shade is Awesome broadcasting system. (laughs) Javier Polito joins James Robinson and the Book Moves of Barcelona. We're looking at the Shade's hunt for the people who are trying to kill him. You get a brief hint at his origin, and uh, Polito's art is just gorgeous. Buy it already! This is the first thing he's done since, like, a human target for DC. It's been a long time. No, he's done other stuff. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, he's done Spider-Man. For DC. From Marvel, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Avengers 23! <laughs> Love the art by Akuna as usual. I'm still not sure on how or why the Vision is back. Some great dialogue here, but I'm finding the premise hard to swallow. I just don't buy that the American public turns on the Avengers this violently. <sighs> Regardless of that, there is some good Bendis dialogue here, and I didn't hate it. I got, you know, you know what? Buy it. I, I liked it. Buy it. Oh, coward. The 12, number 10. Okay, I was willing to give this book the benefit of the doubt and stick with it, and I found myself kind of sucked in to this issue. It's got this kind of classic making the mystery revelation in the in the parlor, you know? And even though I could see it coming from a mile away, then Straczynski had to way oversell it, and it led to a moment that was so forced that it seemed farcical. I'm giving this a leave it. But it did have great Chris Weston on it. Oh, yeah. Chris Weston. Love it. New Avengers, number 22. I'm done with Mike Diodato. I'm done with him. What was that crap with the cops and the Master Chief from Halo outfit? It looked stupid. They it were was all- Master Chief. They-, they were coming for the Avengers. <laughs> Unless it's a Halo New Avengers crossover, I don't want to see this kind of stuff. This is a story that's working the Avengers. It's not working here. The team is just running and fighting and running and fighting. I actually like the new and improved Norman Osborn, but they're taking way too much time to explain what's going on. Going on with him, I don't care about this team anymore. I have to say, leave it. It's moving at an agonizing pace, and if I was reading it monthly instead of waiting for it to stack up and read it all at once, I would be furious. Voltron, number three. Apparently, there's a lot of hate online for this book, and I just don't get it. I don't either. As far as I'm concerned, Voltron is three for three. I'm having a ton of fun with the story. And I've never even cared about this concept or the characters before now. Okay, I did. But, like, for me to like it, it must be doing something right. Fair enough. The art has a lot of problems. Yes. But <laughs> it's also got a lot of potential. And I'm giving this a buy it because I can tell that this guy's going to be great. It's just, he's just getting his feet Listen out. Listen to you. Listen to you. That's sweet. Yeah. Buy it. Yeah. G.I. Joe, a real American hero, annual. 2012. If uh, writer Larry Hama is trying to capture the spirit of the 1980s G.I. Joe cartoon, he has nailed it. So much so, the dialogue is just as bad as you remember. The plot is totally harebrained, and the art isn't quite as good as the animation I remember being. This was dumb. This was really dumb. Leave it. Six Guns, number five. 
This is the conclusion of uh, Andy Diggle's way under the radar modern day western. I have really liked it. It's been totally fun. I don't expect to ever get a follow up to this series, but it has this great cinematic freeze frame ending that I really enjoyed. Do yourselves a favor, check it out when it gets collected, buy it. Batman Beyond Unlimited, number one. Uh, DC did their best to once again remind us that the Batman Beyond cartoon was awesome, but the comic, again, is completely mediocre and forgetful. I don't care. This is them cashing in on their digital sales. The Norm Brayfogle story did not look very good. The Dustin Wynn story looked great, but there was nothing there. You introduced the Justice League in the future. I should be freaking out. I don't care. I barely remember what happened. Leave it. A lot of guys dressed like clowns. Yes, a lot of clowns. That's all it was. Splack! That is your ludicrous speed round, and splack is the sound it makes. Yeah, we're the Burt Reynolds-looking leader of the Vermiltralites, or whatever their name is. Viltramites! (laughs) Viltramites were invincible. Squeezes one of the alien's doctor's heads until he pops in a fountain of guts, as seen in this week's issue of Invincible 89. Before we move on to more important things... Give us a very unimportant and silly tweet, Joe Patrick. Okay. I'm kidding. We love your tweets. Well, we've got a whole host of tweets from John at Burnt Wieners, most of which I cannot read (laughs) on a clean podcast. But he wants to know, do we have anyone else in our family that reads comics? Brothers, aunts, girlfriends, etc. Yeah. My cousin Chris Kelly. He's the only one. Friend of THN. Giant family. And all of them think I'm an idiot, except for Chris. My brother-in-law, Randy, reads comics. The Amazing much Rando. To my, my, the Amazing Rando, much to my great pleasure. There we go. Uh, I've been alone for so long until Randy came <laughs> along. <laughs> then we found each other. Oh. Welcome to another official edition of The State Of, where this month we'll be looking at the state of the DCU six months after the relaunch. You may remember just six months ago where we devoted an entire show to discussion of all 52 of the upcoming titles. We were so much younger and naive back then, and we've had six issues of each of them. Today, we'll be discussing what we dig, what we dropped, and what's to come for the DCU. Joe, let's start with you. Which titles are still working for you? Six issues in. I am still really loving Batman, obviously. It's probably my number one of all of them. Uh, The Flash continues to surprise me. Aquaman is great. Uh, All the greatest hits, you know, I I, I think are still hitting on all cylinders. Wonder Woman. Swamp Thing, Animal Man. These are the books that I read first thing when I get them. Those are top of the pile read, definitely. Yeah. I I would also, to that list, I would add I, Vampire. It has been such a pleasant surprise. I love that book. Joshua Hale Fielkov. Joshua Fielkov. He is an up-and-comer, man, and I cannot wait to read more from that guy. So, okay, so that's a surprise for you. Speaking of that, then what are some other surprises? Uh, things j- that you didn't think you'd like? Jimmy Palmiotti's The Ray, I really enjoyed. Yeah, the you know. And the Gray, and Gray, Justin Gray's on it, too. Yeah, I, I tend not to count that one because it's not part of the initial It's not part wave. of the initial, but they have introduced him in. But it the has world. been very good. It has been. Uh, for me, it's books like Mr. Uh, nope, not Mr. Terrific. <laughs> uh, Captain Adam. Captain Adam, Which I really enjoy. And um, We groaned at that one pretty hardcore we saw J.T. Kroll was writing it, and yeah, we were but wrong. I, like, that, I still like it. That book's fantastic. Uh, and, and Voodoo. Voodoo? I, I'm really enjoying. Both Ron Mars and Josh Williamson have been nailing that one. I still really like Red Lanterns, which blows my mind. See, and now that leads me to things that I thought I'd love, 
and I've just dropped off and don't care. Red Lanterns is one of them. Really? Uh, Green Arrow, I didn't even bother past the first issue. It was two. terrible. It was terrible. Um, Let, yeah, let's, let's move into what is not working. Green Mr. Arrow. Terrific. I mean, it's Already hard to canceled. kick a guy while he's down, but that book was the worst. But I don't think we really expected that book to be great either. But I wanted it to be because I love Mr. Terrific. I wanted it to be good too, but you know, I, not a big loss for me, honestly. I wish that uh, Hawkman were better because I love terrible. Hawkman. Uh, Firestorm had promise because Gail Simone was on it, but that book is just hard to read. And I don't even like the premise. I don't care about it. I don't like the Firestorm Hulk. I don't like how they developed that. Green Lantern Corps just lost me. This last issue, I quit. I haven't read since number one. It's dumb. The just last, because I was overwhelmed. The last two issues have been downright stupid. Where we're on like, it just turned into this like tough guy book rather than like the kind of sci-fi aspect that Peter Tomasi had been interjecting. Mm. It turned into this just sort of like tough guy smack em up book and there's just nothing going on. Green Lantern New Guardians. That's another one. I just don't care. All right. Well, let's shift gears away from specific books and let's talk about the tone of the relaunch. Uh, for me, the more, the deeper we get in and the more I think about it, the more I just have to say, I know it wasn't meant for me. But I thought I could hang on, but I'm finding myself, with rare exception, looking at these characters and not recognizing them. I am sticking with my theory that this was rushed. That this was absolutely rushed, and they thought, we'll start the universe over, and the stories will tell themselves, but there are definite holes starting to show in the plan. <laughs> like, Just like me- you said in Justice League, where we said, this is it, This is all. there's no going back, and then you promptly set up... This huge hole that they could exploit if they need to go back, you know? I mean... When you can see the strings, it's kind of hard to suspend your disbelief. And the things that are good, like the Bat books, the Green Lantern books, stuff like that, these have stayed very close to the way they were before the relaunch. The brand new stuff, with only a couple exceptions, I would add Captain Atom in that in mm-hmm. there. I would add uh, I Vampire. Uh, pleasant surprise, Supergirl. By Super Mike Girl. Johnson is really good. Supergirl, very good. Superman, not so much. I don't even recognize Superman. Yeah. And even now that we're six issues into Action Comics, it the bloom is off that rose, I think. Action Comics is fun, and it's a wild ride, but we're definitely not getting to know this new Superman at all. I don't know. We don't I, know anything about him. I'm and it, struggling. And there are things about this relaunch... There seems to be a lot of grittiness just for the sake of it. Yeah. And a lot of the the charm, I, I talked about this last week with The Flash, and it's present in Justice League as well. The charm that was present in these characters is gone now in favor of this modern edginess that's supposed to draw in this mythical new audience. Yeah. And it has worked. Sales are way up, and people are reading DC in higher numbers than they have been in a long time. And I still am excited about a lot of it. I am. Yes, and I will continue to read these books. I will continue to support DC because I love DC. But I'd be hard... I just don't think I can say that I'm enjoying it like I used to. (sighs) With rare exception. I'm with you. I'm not as excited as I was when the relaunch initially came. When it was new. We were defending it for a living at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, and at this point, yeah, there's definitely some holes that have been punched. And I got to say, the real problems seem to lie in the stuff they tried to drastically change. Superman, Firestorm, Hawkman, stuff like this. It's not working. (laughs) It's it's not so much that they changed continuity, because I don't care about that so much. It's that they've taken what made DC great and altered it in a way that I no longer recognize in a lot of ways. Maybe that's just a sign that I need to pull back, and maybe it's working for new readers, but 
for me, it just doesn't feel like DC anymore. I'm not going to go that far because there there's enough remnants there, like I said, with the Bat books and the Green Lantern stuff. But again, that's the stuff that was good before the relaunch. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a, a whole bunch of creator changes coming real quick here. Yeah. With issue eight. And it... I got to wonder if they're just going to kind of restart some of this stuff again. I'm glad that they're not dragging out things people hate. But you can but only do that for so long. Yeah, you can only it's rearrange really, deck chairs on the Titanic it, once so many times. Yeah, it's really going to start to show if they're yeah. not careful. Hey, full credit where credit's due. This idea totally got stolen from the Pull List podcast. They did a DC midterm on their show this week. You should check it out. It's probably the- much better executed. Yes, because we did not <laughs> write anything. We're just off the cuff here. So go to pseudoradio.blogspot.com. Check out the Pull List. They're great guys, and they definitely inspired this show. Thanks, guys. And of course, we'd love to hear what you guys think of DC six issues into the relaunch, and you can do so at our Facebook page, my babies. Every one of us has heard the That's it for the first ever THN Metal Show, as suggested by John from the Burnt Wieners podcast, and as suffered through by Dainty Joe Patrick. If you, Whatever, I like metal. If you love wailing guitars and songs about riding dragons, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes while you're there. Please leave us a star rating, or even a short written review. Huge thanks to this week's donors, Aaron and Shane. And if you'd like to keep us in guitar picks and leather vests, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can make suggestions for Take a Look, It's in a Book Reading, Ask the Nerdiest Questions You Can Think of as part of our Ask a Nerd segment, or Beg for Reading Suggestions from the Comic Pusher. And, of course, we're still collecting THN mascot art, so keep it coming. What do you think the two-headed nerd looks like? Draw a picture. Cut out a collage. Whatever you want to do, send it to us. You could be famous. Paint it on your bellies. Don't do that. If that's not enough, head on over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, what was your favorite classic super team versus super team storyline? There's a million of them. Mine, X-Men versus Fantastic Four. I loved it. That's a good one. I loved it. (laughs) Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to my mom, who may or may not be the Colleen Bomb number one following us on Twitter. Word to you, mom. And until next time, true believers, read us one more tweet. Our last tweeter of the night comes from Tony Doug Wright, who asks, Will DC or Marvel sign Peyton Manning? Which one will trade up in the draft for RG3? It's an excellent question, and I like that he skipped right past Andrew Luck. I'm saying if DC is smart, they go for RG3 because they need that quarterback. They need somebody in there, mobile, fast on his feet, and with a badass arm. I'm not taking anything away from Andrew Luck. Very talented guy. But I cannot believe Marvel doesn't go for the old veteran in Peyton Manning. Who's Peyton This is a football metaphor crossover thing. This is the two-headed nerd <laughs> signing off. <laughs>